Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. We have a treat today. It is the second episode with the amazing Stephanie Phillips. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, Stephanie recently took over Harley Quinn, but is also incredibly accomplished. And so she has books like The Butcher of Paris. Kevin, you are well familiar with Stephanie. What is it about her that appeals to you so much? You know, and I, I think what's different about her is I, I don't think I've known a writer that, especially this young in the in the industry, like she hasn't been doing comics all that long, but her incredible research that she puts into uh, books like The Butcher of Paris, but also that, that has helped her to really define, she's got a voice that uh, is a little bit unique. I'm digging everything she's writing. Yeah, and so I think a lot of the conversation today revolves around the fact that she can take a really novel perspective to characters who have been around for a very long time. Brian knows this, having worked on Batman and Black Panther, and now with Stephanie taking her stab at Harley Quinn, who's had kind of a wonderful multimedia renaissance, we get to see her perspective on this character, who was once kind of a subjugated girlfriend to someone who's in a relationship with Poison Ivy, and now someone taking a little bit more autonomy over her life. So it's very cool. Yeah, and I think she's she's hitting Harley Quinn at a really good time for for the character. Like what you, the history that she has now in in comic book world is she doesn't have a ton of history, right? And uh, you know, uh, it's been always tied to, to her relationship here, there. Now she's she's kind of spreading her wings. So uh, really uh, enjoyed what I've read so far, and, and looking forward to Stephanie's long run, hopefully on this book. Yeah, and and so it's interesting. She says this is her uh, post Taylor Swift weeping era where she's taking control and, and fighting the remnants of the Joker's forces. You don't know who's a clown. You don't know who is a clown. Sounds fantastic. I think she related to McCarthyism, because of course she did. That is the most Stephanie Phillips way to approach a comic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, enjoy. This is Stephanie Phillips. Hope it works, but I, I want to dimension. So what's the catalyst for her yeah. trying to be emotionally vulnerable? Um, so I, I would say it's a lot of like Ivy is missing, uh, you know, not having Ivy there. Uh, also the kind of, um, catharsis of putting a gun to your manipulative ex's head and being like, Batman can't kill you. I guess I will. Um, you know, she, she pulls the trigger, you know, whether Joker lives or not is, you know, in comic book world, <laughs> uh, but she makes the decision. It's not like she waffles on it and like shoots him in the knee. She shoots to kill. She's she's done with it. Um, and so now I think, you know, record wiped clean because of Suicide Squad. She has a really good opportunity to be that person that she hasn't had at other moments before. Mm -hmm. um, like she had to go through Suicide Squad. Um, she had to make the move to say, I'm done with the Joker thing and, and recognize, like, look at everything he's done to this city. Like, this is the right move, not just for her personally because of the relationship, but because like, if she doesn't, what's he gonna do next to Gotham? Like it's never ending. And so now yeah. she's like, well, how else could I potentially help Gotham? Um, you know, she's been a huge part of some of the ways that he's destroyed it. Can she do something that empowers it or helps it um, as a that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward and to it's, it. And it's 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 really it's yeah, it's really interesting to to see the uh, a character who's who spent a life not making choices spent spent like most of their life just kind of flotsam on 
you know, sort yeah. of the, the tidal wave of their lives, but finally, so late in the game, actually getting accustomed to making choices and kind of, you know, making the discovery of who she is. I mean, is she a bad guy? Is she a good guy? You know, what, what exactly are the choices that, that she makes that aren't living on the, under the influence of, of, of someone else? I mean, you know, she's, ultimately she's not like a Tom Cruise ex-girlfriend or something like that. She's, you know, sort of her, her own character and she's got to figure that out. I think, I think that's, that's potentially a really awesome yeah, it's, uh, it's exploration. Like- Ted Bundy's girlfriend or (laughs) so you you get to take the every horrible toxic relationship where you had the guy who was you know the awful you know and and we've all seen it like we've all had that friend who was in the relationship with the worst person ever and the and, and your friend can't see that because for whatever reason and they get sucked into that that horrible relationship and you know the lucky ones get out early and then some of them you know, don't. And it, it lasts for years and marriages and kids and multiple trips to the hospital before they'll wake up. And so now <laughs> yeah. you get to, you know, I'm not making light of that. I mean, like, you know, now you, you, from a standpoint of Harley, like she's, she was with the ultimate horrible, toxic boyfriend. And now she gets to redefine herself. So it's, a, it's kind of an interesting, like you're coming in at a great time and, and who better than a doctor to uh, get to, <laughs> to diagnose her. Uh, <laughs> But no, I, like, you know, I, like I, I, everybody loves Harley, right? Like I, you know, when she first debuted on the animated series and I remember I was, I was you know, dating myself. I was in college around those times and um, you know, like was just totally blown away by that character, but she never really didn't have a lot other than being his sidekick. And obviously she got so popular that you start exploring her, but she's always been hooked to Joker. And even with, with the poison Ivy stuff, like she was still Joker's girl. She just wasn't with Joker. You know, so now that she's she's made the decision to move on from him, you know, with a definitive statement of, you know, you're, I'm out. And so are you. Um, it's really interesting time for her as, as a character. So it's really cool that, that we're finally there. You know, and that's a big deal, too, for for somebody like D.C. to, you know, um, I don't know if, if the her doing the, the movie franchise helped make that happen or or if it was just a decision that somebody said, hey, yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, but it's really cool. I'm, I'm excited to see where you get to take it. Yeah, thanks. And I mean, I think we have seen like in the movie or the cartoon, this very much like, all right, she broke up with the Joker. Now it's about defining herself as this this like single woman post Joker. And I think we've had a few of those stories and I didn't want it to become that. Like, I really don't want Joker mentioned beyond again. Uh, I think it's being in post Joker war, it's inevitable that, you know, we're dealing with some people that used to work with Joker or something like that. But um, you know, beyond that, I I think we've gotten rid of every mention of her as like this ex of Joker, and I wanted this to be this the other side of that. Like we're we're now beyond the stage of like uh, listening to Taylor Swift while crying in the shower with a bottle of wine. Like we're we're now two steps after the Taylor Swift cry session. Um, <laughs> very relatable. <laughs> Um, so I wanted Harley to really be like, what is my mission? And that is an important question to ask when you like finally get out of that zone and you're able to look up and say like, okay, what am I going to spend my time doing? Like, what is this thing I want to do? And, um, you know, I think at some point Batman mentions to her, like, there's no way you've still got a valid therapist license. So like, let's put that one to bed. But, um, you know, how else? Oh, wow. <laughs> 
Simon's not pulling punches. <laughs> He's a, and he has a very good relationship with Harley right now, or at least good for them. Like, you know, in terms of better than we've ever seen their relationship, I think for quite a while. Um, they're on better terms, they're speaking, um, and he's kind of supportive. Like, I mean, maybe a bit removed from what she's doing, but supportive of it and and wants to see her able to take that step. And I think that's cool, like being able to have people that support your emotional journey. And I, I feel like maybe this entire book, I'm just like, look, we're all in therapy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so, something that I think is, is, is really cool it's something that's available in comics, and I've I've talked about this with uh, with artists on a regular basis. Is that um, that when you get the as an artist, when you get the assignment to do Batman, you know you just you don't just jump on the book and and draw Batman. One of the things that you have to do is you have to establish your Batman. You know, and the, the Batman that I draw is going to be different than the Batman that Cully uh, Hamner does, which is going to be different than the Batman that that like Bill Sienkiewicz does. So we, we all try to put our visual take on the characters. And, uh, and the awesome thing about comics is it really allows you to just bend that string to the point of breaking um, uh, as, as an artist. And with, uh, with, with Harley Quinn in particular, one of the things that I find interesting is, is I know the character basically, you know, I have the character in my head but the way that you're writing Harley is your Harley Quinn. It still owes a little bit, you know, to the uh, to the canon of the character. But it's it's definitely like something that uh, that that you've created. And I think that's as as a fan of of comics, that's one of the things that I love the most is when when an artist and a writer bring a different sort of take to it you know it's it, it's it's like hearing a different band cover someone else you know and and that that's just so fascinating um what, what do you um what do you think about that what what sort of thing do you try to consider um when you when you approach sort of pre-existing characters I mean, it's it's a huge responsibility, like having, you know, Harley in the first issue with Batman, having just written Legends of the Dark Knight with Max Dunbar. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm here, I feel like because of Batman and the animated series that I saw when I was a kid. And I was like, I want to, everything in my life to now have to do with this. And, uh, you know, I, I owe in large part to Batman the reason that I'm in this industry. And so having somebody say, like, you get to now write Batman, um, it, I think like... <laughs> momentarily like paralyzing like you know the moment oh you yeah wanted and then you're like but like what is my batman like i know i can tell you batmans that i love like i can tell you the first series i owned as a set like but my like my batman like i i don't know i sometimes i listen to other writers that are like i know my batman story i've got it i've lot like locked and loaded and i'm just like i'm kind of jealous of that position because I just I love it so much that I enjoy the content that's out there um and you know I think once I started like you know I did I put pen to paper and I just started generating ideas all of a sudden I was like okay I do have something to say about Batman like you know making a list of all the things very I cool about him and um I was like oh okay I was really nervous but I feel like this can work out and uh getting to tell a, a very classic you know 
Batman and Alfred and um, Penguin kind of uh, just, it felt very, <laughs> really heavy emphasis on the mystery and detective element, which was always my, my draw as a kid. Um, and getting to do historical, we definitely have a very like going back in time in Gotham, which is something that I've I've always been very interested in. I think Scott Snyder did a good job with it. Um, you know, Gotham by Gaslight. I love things like the history of a city. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. The city is so alive in every book that you read that takes place in Gotham. And so like establishing and developing that history a little bit more. And of course, you know, it's me. So I was like, how can I add to Gotham history? And um, that's, that's cool. Like getting to say that I did that uh, is really neat. Making words come out of Batman's mouth is cool. And uh, also knowing, you know, two different artists, like working with Max is one thing, working with Riley Rossmo to, you know, draw Harley and Batman and the ongoing is, is also very different, you know, getting to kind of try things that maybe somebody hasn't done before. Uh, sometimes we have these. Yeah. yeah that's that, 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 that I think is, is, is the coolest thing is, is like, you know, to me, a lot of times it, when you when you get the assignment, when 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 DC calls and says, yes, we invite you into Batman, it's almost like you're getting to the banquet several hours late, you know, <laughs> and, and you've got to go, okay, okay, well, you know, it looks like Neil Adams has already eaten all the turkey, so I can't do that. <laughs> and, and you just... You're just trying to you're trying to take what's left and, and make a meal out of it. <laughs> you know? Frank Miller ate the raw, the Pittsburgh style steak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really wanted that. Yes. <laughs> um, but but it, it it really yeah it, it really sounds like um like you've got and 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 I I, I remember um, when you describe it I remember going through the exact same thing, which is you you're just kind of searching around and going ah. Oh, I see him now. I see, I see my Batman. And, uh, and, and once you get it, and especially if you get it and it feels unique, that's like the coolest thing, you know, and, and writing that character, which is still Batman, but it's your Batman. And, uh, and I feel the same way with Superman and, and all the other characters. And, uh, and it always panics me to, to do a new character, you know, when um when I was asked to do covers for the Flash, I was just like, "Whoa, I, I I've got no Flash plans." <laughs> you know? And then to to sort of sit back and go, "Okay, what do I think? What do I think the Flash looks like?" You know, what? Uh, and and that's so much fun because, uh, especially if you if you grow up nerd, it's you know these characters already exist in your head, and now to try to bring them from that godly place into that real place where you can actually manage to sort of manifest them in a sort of on a, on a sheet of papers. Like uh, it's like really a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, that ended up being such a cool experience, like getting to be like, all right, now the Batmobile shows up and I just got like so happy. I was like, I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, you know, I think uh I didn't even notice it until later, but Max had made like the grill of the Batmobile has this really cool, like faint outline of a bat in it. And I was like, oh man, I want that on a car one day. Like that's cool. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, there's there's definitely some nerd happiness, but also trying to like figure out, um, you know, we, I, I think creating something so wholly original is probably not 
possible. So it's about finding like, what is what are the elements that I like and the things that I want to bring and highlight to the character. And, um, you know, hopefully through that, we're finding new things about that character that we didn't even know we loved. And, you know, there's things about Harley that I feel like it's a very living relationship. Like there are things every day working on Harley where I'm like, oh, I really liked that about her. And I didn't know I liked this until now. And, you know, now we can explore this facet of who she is. And she kind of, she kind of grows with you. And that's a, like, I, yeah. I think one of the cool parts about doing an ongoing is knowing that like, you know, this thing that doesn't appear until issue 12 or something, like we can work with this character to give that moment where everything feels really earned and just, you know, the, the character can move and develop with you as you're on the series. And, uh, that's that's a really cool new thing in my career that I'm getting to kind of explore right now with her. Yeah, I mean you're in a great spot because yeah. You know, well, I, no, I mean as as even though Harley has been around a while, she hasn't been around a long time in comic book, you know, reality. Uh, so and she's not had that that, that the whole post Joker like this is a really you know you've got a great shot to really define a character. Whereas you know like we've all got our Batman stories like especially you know every guy or girl that grew up loving Batman, Batman, the Batman is a perfect comic book character because even though it, it was set up it was so simple of, Oh, he's a multimillionaire guy that can buy all these gadgets. But at the end of the day, he's just a guy, he's a human and he can get the shit beat out of him and he can almost die. Uh, and everybody, you know, metaphorically pretty much everybody's been through that. Like there's been a spot in your life where you got, kicked in the teeth and you had to get back up you probably literally since you you know fight uh, <laughs> but you know like you have that that's batman story and batman is so like he can be he can be like what i grew up on was the super friends you know so he was this happy dude in a blue costume that laughed and had you know the you know the robin sidekick and whatnot and then I then I discovered like Neil Adams. Because of Batman Superman. doesn't smile anymore. He stopped smiling in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. Like, you know, you fall in love with that Batman. And then and then you literally I remember when I when I discovered the Neil Adams Batman was when they did the giant uh, you know, Brian and I both are old enough to remember this, but you'd go into the drugstores or the bookstores and they'd have the, the big uh, oversized volumes that would collect a couple of issues. Uh, and I'm totally blanking on what they called those at the time. Yeah. But, but so they were huge. They were bigger than magazines. And it was the uh, the Raz al Ghul story you know, where Batman's there and he's got his, his shirts off and they're out in the desert. And like, that's the cover. And I was just like, what <laughs> but still the? his cowl on. <laughs> you still had the cow because, you, you know, <laughs> even if you're showing the bat nipples, you still got to have the cow. Um, and but like that was just such a striking thing. Like, oh, wait, Batman is like he's vulnerable. He's gotten the crap beat out of him. The other cow being on didn't make a lot of sense, but at that point it didn't register that that was strange. But, you know, and it was mature. It was a mature Batman. And then you fast forward to, you know, getting out of comics and and whatnot. And then, and then the Batman movie dropping in 89 when I was, I guess, a senior in high school. And from there, then I had no comic book shop around me. So I went to, went, you know, was in college, freshman college the next year, discovered the Dark Knight Returns. And so I hadn't read Batman comics in a long time. But so you see all these different iterations of Batman and he works perfectly at all of them. So your Batman story yeah. is going to be good because you're a good writer and you have something about Batman that you love, whatever that part is. Uh, you know, and so now with Harley, who's sort of been, you know, she's been a lot of different things too, but there's, you know, I don't know what this, what is the defining run on that character? 
Like I, I don't really know. That's the one. It's the one. Uh, this uh, girl, uh, Doctor Stephanie Phillips, is doing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 I, and I gotta, I gotta tell you something, something that um, that I think is um, as as a a, a fanboy um, fangirl of kind of the company characters, uh, and and I think it's something that you're well on your way to uh, to experiencing is is when you put a brick in that wall, you know, when 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 this bit of ink that you put down becomes indelible, and the next writer comes and picks up some of what you've done and and you can you can actually tell that oh okay so i'm now part of the canon of this character and and when someone refers to this thing that the character does well that's something that you created and uh and clearly that's something that i think you're you're really establishing well on uh, on harley right now i think uh i think after what you've done it's going to be impossible for writers in the future to uh, touch the character without having to, you know, sort of pick over some chicken bones that you left <laughs> you know, sort of on the uh, on the banquet table. <laughs> you know? I mean, seeing the like first cosplays that we're getting of the costume and like fan art of we have fan art of Kevin, which is just like the yes. Coolest. Yeah, I mean, like that's a character I created, and there's win. <laughs> It's an artist drawing Kevin. I was like, that's so cool. That's that's awesome. Um, like people haven't even met him yet. And uh, like that's exciting. Um, you know, and and hearing too, like, you know, I was listening to some interviews with a cosplayer that made the Infinite Frontier, like the the costume that we're using for Harley. And just she's like, Oh, you know, I noticed all these like elements of just like where we were pulling inspiration for the costume. And I was like, that's really cool to hear that somebody thought as much about this as we did. Like, you know, really hearing them say yeah. like that the inspiration came from this and you know Riley and I are like oh it did that's really cool like that's that's nice that you picked up on that uh and you know I think we've seen we've seen quite a few cosplays of it now and you know they're all just it's incredible like it's it's surreal it's never not going to be real to see something that we spent months being like pants no pants shoes like design here design there and then like <laughs> seeing somebody sew that and wear it in real life you're just like that's cool that that's really cool so it's uh it yeah i think surreal is maybe a good good word for it at the moment <laughs> if we ever have conventions again and you're yeah. out signing your harley quinn comics and you'll know you've really made it you know the, the costumes will be around but when somebody shows you the tattoo of your version that's when you're <laughs> <know. Right? laughs> like, we were at we were at san diego con years ago um and this guy comes up to the to the table and he pulls up his shirt and he shows Jason Pearson a panda that's like tattooed on like his rib cage. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you've made it. Your your character's important now. <laughs> it's like it's it's done. Yeah, you're there. When you when you're inked on somebody's body, you've made an impression. <laughs> uh, now, um, do you um do you find that there's um there's a difference um like or or there's a preference because I mean you've you're kind of brackish. You're you're jumping into doing the uh, the DC characters, um, but you're still doing like a lot of uh, you know sort of creator um, own stuff. Um, is is it a complete different satisfaction? Um, does does one satisfy something that the other doesn't? How do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I mean, I think right now because it's it, the you know licensed stuff is still a little bit newer. There's definitely something there that's like 
uh, this is really cool. He gets to play in this sandbox and, you know, bring in characters or write characters that I just, um, you know, I, I, I have a favorite character in the DC universe that I got to write recently. It hasn't been announced yet. And like, that was awesome. Like, you know, my favorite character of all time, like I got to make him do cool stuff. Like that's, that's cool. Oh man. Wow. You know, getting to like take a moment to step back and be like, you know, here's where I'm at and kind of measuring it by something that I've always been really excited to get to try. Um, something that I always was really nervous about, like, you know, if I get called up, like, you know, to do that wildcat story, like I'm, Am I just not the kind of person that writes superhero stories? Like, you know, I didn't know until I did it and just writing Wildcat, I was like, I'm in love with this. Like, I, I love getting to add a spin on a character that I, I knew, you know, in the artists I get to work with, you know, Riley, Max, Dunbar, these are all just incredible people um, that you get to form a really cool relationship with and like grow that with the characters. Uh, the creator owned too is, uh, you know, it's just, there, there are less rules. So uh, I guess it's- yeah. kind of, making my own sandbox in a way and you know the the relationships like Tony Shastine on Nuclear Family like uh that's always great too is just being able to go to Tony and be like you know the end of issue five there's something I don't like about it and you know Tony comes in in 30 seconds and he's like well here's what you here's what you should do and I'm like oh that's cool thanks Tony for like fixing something I spent like hours trying to figure out and you know I think a two minute email later, I've got like this great idea from Tony. So, um, you know, you still get these great relationships in the creator owned and really that's, that's what I want. As long as the collaboration between the people I'm working with, as long as we get to have those dialogues, I feel like we get to build something really cool together. Um, and that is, you know, the, the relationship that I want, whether it's creator owned or licensed. So, um, I think it makes for a stronger product, you know, getting to work with. Someone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'll back you up on that a hundred percent. That's, always kind of um, harbored the dream of like, oh yeah, I'm going to write my own stuff uh, at, uh, at some point. But, uh, but honestly, I mean, I, I really love the collaborative uh, process. And, um, and, and I think that collaborative process is especially fruitful when you're, you know, working with someone and, and you can kind of take the ego off for a second and both, you know, sort of writer and artist really try to service story and storytelling um and and i think you know like you said with tony when you have those conversations that no one person can solve that problem it really takes the uh the the synergy of the team to uh to kind of figure these things out and and i think every time i've worked with someone and and had a good collaborative experience in the end i go wow that's better than what i could have done alone you know, yeah. just just having having that backup, uh, and uh, and and hopefully, kind of contributing to to the writer's uh, work as well. And I think we have this like model in our heads of like we can't ask for help. We have to submit this product at the end of the day that's already perfect, polished, finished, ready to go. It's perfect. Um, but like learning to put that aside and just go to someone like um, you know I spent all day talking with uh, you know Riley Rosmo today, and it's it's freeing to be able to say. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, do you know, like, can we have a conversation about it? Cause along that, along the way, we'll figure it out together. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're also the two people I think are, who are spending a massive amount of time in the pages of this book together. And so being able to just kind of lift that ego and just be like, it's, it's okay to like, not, 
um, or it's okay to be able to go to this partner and say, I need help on this. And the same way that Riley will come to me with something and say, you know, what feels off or, um, you know, talk about pacing and these things that we both can bring to each other in it. And I think that's, you know, I, I would say that if, if Harley does do well in, in March, uh, I would say that it's probably owed in very large part to the way that Riley and I are able to work together on this. And it's a collaboration that again, oh, yeah. so far in advance, it's like we can plan something out in issue like three that will pay off in issue 11 because we know we have that huge runway to kind of uh, land the plane on, which is nice. Yeah, and it's it's really daunting to to sometimes uh, I mean for, for me at least to to sometimes think oh wow what I, what I'm doing is I'm going to take the next month to two months to craft a twenty minute experience for someone <laughs> and it's just like you know where where you're you're like you know really like thinking of like okay the stitching on the leather should be like this and 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 of course this person of this age would only know about this and this experience and and you craft this experience and someone's just going to flip through that book in in 20 minutes and and if you messed up anything it's going to call attention to itself and ruin the experience you know but uh, but just really getting crafting that experience so that they can read it and hopefully they can go back and read it again and pick up something else. I think uh, I think that's 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 really what I love about the uh, about the collaborative process of uh, of comics. And and there's an immediacy there, you know, where you're calling Riley and then it's on the page. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not like okay, well, we have to go through the producers and then we have to check with the budget and then we have to go to the special effects team. It's just like it's just right there. You know, it's 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 the closest thing to getting what you have in your head into the reader's head. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it improves you know the script too. Obviously, like when I'm writing a script, the script I'm writing is for the artist. It's not for I mean, like an editor will read it, but you know, it's for the artist. It's, it's, you know, my notes to them and, um, you know, getting to do things like, oh, Tony, like we had a conversation about this, like, you know, we can talk about it again if you want, but like, you know, I'm, I'm putting these things in the script and, um, you know, expanding that conversation with, with my team as well outside of that script. And I think it's, um, honestly, I think it's what makes writing comics so much fun is like, you're not- Oh yeah. Island. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um the, the coolest thing is um is even when I was doing Black Panther, there were there would be times where uh Tanahase would would go, "All right, B, do what you do." <laughs> you know, and it's just like, "Oh." <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it's it's just such a great feeling because um he can't write that scene better than just saying that. You know, because because now I know, oh, you're giving me license, you know, sort of it's 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 just like you've like you're turning me loose on this. And and, uh, and I'm going to give him something better than what I would have given him if he'd written it out, you know, sort of, um, you know, uh, panel by panel. So so it's just like that when you get that camaraderie together and you're not even needing to speak in full sentences. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that's, that's just so much fun, especially when, when you're working on characters, rather created or pre-existing that you're, uh, that you're totally uh, jazzed about. Yeah, and like some of those fight scenes, like I love choreographing fight scenes, but also there are oh. times, like 
Riley is so creative that like I will just like I want to step back from that because I feel like like you're saying like I will hamper what he's about to do if I start choreographing this and you know it's Harley so you know I could come from a very realistic angle of like here's how a fight sequence would work but sometimes you need that person to come in to throw something in there that's a little bit wild because it's Harley Quinn and uh he he drew a panel the other day that was so cool because the guy she's punching instead of like a second blood coming out the side of his mouth it's a spade so there's like a little spade popping out <laughs> of his mouth. and I was like that's so cool like I would have <laughs> that and uh you know the next guy she kicks it's a little heart and it's like oh my god like what that's so cool it's like these little details that it's like I'm so glad that I you know I didn't over tell him what to do because it allowed him to create something that I'm now just so thrilled about. It's so cool. That brings another thing up, you know, sort of imagery. I mean, uh, one of the things that, that we always kind of like to ask people is uh, thinking, thinking in terms of especially uh, influence, you know, uh, are there any particular shots, you know, from, from comics but especially from uh, from other media like uh, film or television, that it's just a a, a shot or right. a sequence that has just really kind of blown you away. And and the thing that always happens to me is I'll I'll, I'll watch a sequence like something and I'll go, I want to do that in a comic, whatever that thing was, and this feeling that it gave me. I'd like to create that. Um, are, th- are there any uh, particular shots that, that are shots that have blown you away? I mean, I feel like every shot from director Dennis Villanueva is just... Oh! Like, <laughs> man, I got I got a love-hate relationship with that guy. He's... He's, he's, like, you're, you're just he's like, too good. Like, so yeah, we, need, we need to get Johnny Depp from um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico to just blow that guy away. You know, he's just... <laughs> Too good. He has made the bar way too high for us mere mortals. Yeah. How many times have has Children of Men been mentioned on this show? We haven't even had that many episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest scene ever in, in in film, I think. Like, I mean, the shootout in the in the building. You're like, oh my God. How did they do that? <laughs> yes. but, but Stephanie, what what's your favorite Denis Villeneuve uh, movie? Because I, I kind of feel like he has like two different settings. One is his previous like small Hitchhockian burner, and now he's like, "Fuck yeah, Blade Runner, Dune, let's go big." I mean, like Blade Runner is gorgeous. It's uh, like uh, I will watch it and find you know inspiration in new places in that movie that I I didn't previously. You know, you look at something like. Uh, I feel like it's a bit of an outlier, but like Sicario, which it's like, you could have something that's like an action, just an action movie. And first, like, I mean, it is very well written. I I love that movie. But then there are like small things, the more you watch that movie and you're just like, okay, you're going through this place where you've got like the suspected like drug smugglers. And then there's like this shot of the dust lifting off of a windowsill. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, well, that was an interest. Like, like everything about this is setting a mood, and it's just a very quick flash of like, you know, the the sunlight through the window, the dust on the windowsill, and uh, it's it's gorgeous, and it's so smart that it's like, like you were saying, Ryan. Like now, I want to rethink how I've written like a visual scene in a comic. Like, oh yeah, well, it's 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 the Mike Mignola frog, you know. <laughs> <where> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're like suddenly, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's a frog. Well, there wasn't a frog in the previous panel, but there's a frog here. And that moment is just transcendent. His, his movies, it always blows me away the first times I watch it. But in subsequent watching, it's almost like, ah, you're such an idiot. You didn't catch this the first time. Oh, you're such an idiot. You didn't catch this the 10th time you watch. So, um, so I'm always watching um, you know, his movies, actually sitting down and watching them or just having them on in the background when I'm sort of just doing the mechanical labor uh, part, of, uh, part of comics. And, uh, and Sicario, that's, that's one that gets in rotation just constantly because I, I think that's just such, such a near perfect in a sort of a piece of uh, movie making. Yeah, I think that's one of my three. I've got like maybe three or four that are in constant like inspiration rotation, which is like, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is my all-time favorite movie. So that's that's often in there. And just like, I mean, there are so- oh, you're such, You are such a nerd. I am. <laughs> I got Casino Royale usually comes up. I think there are a couple shots that like made fun of me for liking but like him holding uh what's her name I think it's Vesper in the shower after her first instance of like seeing a guy killed in the hallway just like full tux getting in the shower with Vesper like I've had some people say that they think it's really cheesy but I actually like it like I I like the the shot of just getting closer in on them in that moment I I really like um I'll rewatch Tombstone a lot and Sicario quite often just Good, good, well-rounded. Like, if I'm really stuck on writing, I'll go watch those guys. <laughs> oh man! Well, no, none of those, none of those are terrible. I mean, those are all like really <laughs> the best movies <laughs> ever. So clearly, you have good taste. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and and that's that's one of the things that that I love about Villeneuve is is oftentimes, I think uh, directors, they're good storytellers or good shootists or good character directors. And, and he is just evenly spread out, <laughs> you know, sort of on all of them. I mean, he gets amazing performances uh, out, of, out of people and, and every frame is a, is, is a picture with, uh, with what he does. And I'm, I'm totally with you on, on Dune, man. I cannot. You know, I cannot wait for that to happen. Dune is one of those things that um, that I'm I'm kind of considering getting a bigger TV at home so I can watch it properly. <laughs> it's a good consideration. <laughs> it's like it's like my my like forty inch isn't enough for Dune. <laughs> We're renting the theater out for that one, so you can just drive. It's only two hours. <laughs> you just make make. Oh man, if if. Yeah, if if I'm vaccinated by then, man, you will have a guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have this beautiful new IMAX theater that opened right when the pandemic hit, and it's uh, like so we've hit a couple of movies there, just like the private screenings because they're they're really not all that expensive. Um, you know, I mean, it's not super cheap, but it's fun to go to the movies. You know, I've got kids and when they t- take a couple of friends and. So I got to get the taste of Wonder Woman 84 out of my mouth. That's the one we saw a couple of weeks, you know, when it opened. Wow. Uh, that's another conversation. But um, yeah, really excited for, for Dune. We're definitely doing the, the IMAX for that one. Private, though. 
I'm, I'm not sitting in the theater anytime soon with, <laughs> with 200 people. Uh, <laughs> vaccine or no. What are you thinking about uh, in the uh, in the future? I mean, is, is there a particular character that um, some unfinished business or is there like, um, you know, sort of a, a project that you're diving into right now? I mean, there, there's a character that I've gotten to write. Definitely my favorite, like, licensed existing character. Um, but what I got to do was, like, a small taste. And I really enjoyed writing them. So I, I do hope that I get to come back to this character, hopefully in, like, a, a larger breath at some point. There is a project I've just started with, uh, is, you know, someone that I can't believe I am working with and can't wait to kind of talk more about. It's going to be through DC as well, just, like, giant character, a gigantic artist, and one of those moments of like, you know, when they asked for me on the project, I'm just like, are there two people with the same name? Because I I think that this was a mistake, but <laughs> it has been super cool. And I can cannot wait, you know, just working with like a literal living legend, both in terms of character and and art team. So I'm, I'm really just diving in, like started diving into that project this week. And that's definitely one of those where I'm like, I can't wait to just break this character. They've had it too easy. Oh man. Time to like really see, see what this person's made of. And uh, I think it's going to be, uh, it's definitely going to be really interesting and very different from what I'm doing on Harley. And it's cool that I can have both of those experiences at DC, which is, which is really neat. Ah, that is, that is really awesome. And, uh, and I got to tell you, um, I, I often say this uh, way too much with the um, when I have writers uh, here, but I I look forward to at some point you know sort of working with you on uh, on something. I've I've really absolutely enjoyed the work that you're doing. Uh, it's it's like really exciting, really you know sort of a lot of fun. So uh, so definitely we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get together and uh, and do some crimes together. <laughs> I, I'm straight up for that. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, I look forward to grilling you about dietary tips. Oh, great. <laughs> going to like inspire much. So if you want to eat like 20 chicken nuggets a day, come hang out. <laughs> I mean, how about the breading? Like, are these like fast food? Are they a little bit healthier? Uh, I, I do make my own. And um, because I, I really like the sauces from Chick-fil-A, but I don't want to give them my money. So my sister's boyfriend is <sighs> market that sells them in bottles and so whenever they get new shipments he like grabs them and ships them to me and i just like i feel like i've cheated chick-fil-a and that makes me happy because then i can still put their sauce on everything so <laughs> nice <laughs> that's 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 a win anytime you can cheat chick-fil-a that is that is definitely a win as far as i'm concerned i take i take satisfaction in it but <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, this has been delightful. Thank you so very much for taking the time. I hope the water gave you the same thrill as Kevin's bottle of Maker's Mark 46. One third gone. <laughs> or in Brian's case, his yeah. Lipton iced tea. Whoa! <laughs> Drinking Lipton iced tea. That's the funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out. It's uh, it's really been just just a fun conversation and uh, and and cool to hang out with you. There's like a visual storytelling and, and visual iconography conversation instead of that we need to have in the future. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. Thank you guys so much for having me. Everybody, thank you so very much. That was the lovely Stephanie Phillips. Stick around for the next episode, Kevin. Who do we have coming up? 
Well, this is a real treat. This is a, a, a non-traditional comic book artist, but an absolutely amazingly talented artist uh, known online as Loish. Uh, she's great. She's got a background in animation, character design, hugely popular online artist. And she did a, uh, a book for us late, uh, recently called Yumi, which we, it was a Kickstarter we did uh, a few months back and just blew everybody away with that cover. And just an amazing lady, super talented, like I said, uh, and a joy to have on the show. So I can't wait for everybody to get a chance to listen to us sit down and talk with her. Yeah, she's feverishly talented and very well-spoken. Uh, you can tell that she's had years of coaching and you can tell why she has such a strong Patreon presence. Yeah, I mean, literally uh, someone who's traveled all over the world and gone to all these different schools in different countries. And I struggled just to speak English. So uh, <laughs> definitely impressive to me. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>